You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello? Is this on? Is this thing on? What? Is this on? Are you testing? Or Is the you... world listening? Let's see. I'm not testing. This is the actual show. I see what you're talking about. <laughs> That's you great. That's great. No, I don't understand. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, world. Well, does the whole world listen? Yeah, most of them. <laughs> most of them. Every single eight billion people. Yes. Um, and we so, don't do that. We don't monetize this. Is that right? That might be poor judgment. <laughs> yeah, true. We could. Uh, it's we too could late actually, now. We could but actually <laughs> be in a bathtub full of money if we did monetize this. And then would be all those other, like those other snotty YouTubers and podcasters who, once they do get their little money rolling in, they stop doing their thing. Yeah, we're not that way. We do it for free, so we'll just keep on doing it. Yeah, just for free. And this is not the before the after the show discussion, by the way. Let me just say, listeners, there wasn't we, much of it. We are wonderful people. We do this for free for you every <laughs> week, so please be grateful. Gross. Don't give us anything. You're just, grossing me out. Just, just. Be grateful you that there are some are really nice people who grossing record me you out. a cool uh, podcast every week. Ugh. Thank you. Gross. That's, that's my uh, service announcement. Mm. So please don't give us anything. We do not want nothing. Well, that's a double negative. One of your listeners will be very disappointed in you. Yes. Double negatives are my expertise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so it is Saturday. What's the before the show discussion? We didn't really have much of one. I don't think you were talking about some stuff and I wasn't fully listening. All right, perfect. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> it is Saturday, August the 12th. This is After the Show. We are a movie review podcast. This week's movie on episode 492 is King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. This is a 2017 movie. Releases on Blu-ray on August the 8th, so you can pick this up right now. It's PG-13, and it's from our friends at Warner Brothers, who sent us a copy to review. So, Sid Talk, can you give us the synopsis of King Arthur, Legend of the Sword? Hmm, the synopsis of this particular telling of the story is, uh, there are two brothers, one is the king, one is a jerk. The king, spoiler alert, uh, finds an end, and of course, the son, at a later date, has to come back to challenge the evil uncle. Now, we've even seen this in, you know, Lion King. It's not exactly a new story, obviously. No. It's the legend of King Arthur. This is the Lion King, basically. It is. <laughs> Without the lions. <laughs> that's that's a good review. I mean, it's the basis of, like, so many things. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's only, as we know from uh, many reviews that we've done, there are only about five or six different stories and they're just all mishmashes <laughs> of those, right? Well, I don't know if that's a bit dismissive, but yeah, yeah. You can boil it all down to, like, the different versions of movies. They're all, you know, there's... A lot of them are the same thing, just in a different place, you know? So I'm not saying that Guy Ritchie's movie is the same thing in a different place. So let's review this movie. You can go first. What did you think of uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword? I actually enjoyed it. You'll be surprised, however, there will be conflicting comments as we go through, but I did enjoy it. I had to, like, that thing in my mind where I was able in the beginning to say to myself, as I do sometimes when I'm watching movies that I'm not necessarily in the mood for, okay, 
this is what it is. We're going to a time and a place where I don't know how anything works. And this is a story I know nothing about, which I admit. And I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with the giant elephants and the swords and the things and the, the setting and just have a good time. And that worked. Right. I could let go of any little nitpicky things or there's a few nitpicky things, but not too bad. I was just able to, as if I was a kid and someone's reading me a fantasy story and I'm just in like there, you know, I want to be there in my mind. So I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I want to say that this is not your father's King Arthur. This is a very different version of it. It, This is your King Arthur. Not your father's (laughs) King Arthur. You know, like I'm making fun of what I said the other week. What was it? This is... It, was it's it not your father's um train spotting? No. <laughs> <laughs> chips. Chips, yeah. This is not your father's King Arthur, as in that was not your father's chips. <laughs> this is a different version of King Arthur's um mythology. King Arthur's not a real thing. It's a story from back in the day, medieval times. And um this is a very different version of it. It's more uh fantasy with it's less grounded. If you've seen the King Arthur movie from like 2002, the one with Clive Owen, that was more of a just standard telling of the King Arthur As if story. it's real. That's the thing about As that one. As if it's real. Yeah. yeah. This one's more stylish and fantasy based. Because there will be spoilers in this review, so go and watch this movie and then come back. But this movie starts off with giant elephants. In it, mm-hmm. there's no giant elephants in the legend of King Arthur, so it takes, you know, it makes it more of a spectacle. I would, I would say, uh, that's what he's going for. With Have this. you read every version of the King Arthur tale? I've read the the basic one when I was at school. Obviously, the the legend of King Arthur. Um, it's pretty much the story of Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Actually, but there's magic and stuff involved. Merlin does yeah. magic, but there, so, there's no giant elephants. No, but that no... that can tell you magic equals anything. Yeah. Anything at all. Now, and actually, this King Arthur Legend of the Sword, this Guy Ritchie movie, it's before the, the Knights of the Round Table even come to be. So it's not the adventures of the Knights of the Round Table. It's the... the first, if this was going to be a trilogy, which I'm assuming it was probably going to be, and maybe it still is, it's the beginning of that. And then you'll get the, the Knights of the Round Table that you know and love in the next movies. Um, do you think there'll be more movies? I don't feel like that. No. As much as I enjoyed it, I don't feel like it deserves a follow-up movie. No. Guy Ritchie does um, get to make his sequels, though. I mean, Sherlock Holmes is about to get his, the third But Sherlock one. Holmes is better. Right. Now, definitively, <laughs> not that my opinion is the definitive thing here, but it is better. It's better story. It's told in a better way. It's got or is the it cool... just that you like Sherlock Holmes better, like the actual? No, it's actually done. It's more transparent. This has a lot of like. We need to kind of hide a little bit behind the bigness of it all. There's a lot of grayness and drabness, and it kind of fills up everything. There's not a lot of story here. You know, brothers are arguing, the kid survives. You know, it's like bastard Jon Snow coming back. Yeah, it's kind of like... Um, it's not like, it doesn't, there's no added interest except for the giant elephants. Yeah. And that's just, gone very quickly. So it's just lacking the magic of 
the magic to me. I have Even to though say, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. I have to say that it is very quick. Like, the story goes really, really quick. Like, the way Guy Ritchie makes a film, he doesn't bother, like, having a half an hour sequence. Let's say there was a heist in this movie, which there isn't, but that's just what I'm going on. He wouldn't take half an hour to show you a heist. He would just have a guy talk about this heist that's going down and then very quickly show you what happened during the heist. Within, I'd say, a minute. You'd see the whole thing. He does that in this movie all the time, right? Mm-hmm. There's a few of those. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, you can tell um, that it's all... This movie originally, uh, the original cut, was three hours and 30 minutes, I was just reading. And this movie is just, just two hours. So he maybe did film, like, full sequences, but in this, he abbreviates a lot of things. And often, I do like the way he does that, but sometimes I feel like I'm missing out on loads of things. I'm like, oh, really? Are we? Is that the whole sequence? There's a really cool sequence in the middle of this movie where King Arthur goes to this kind of magical island thing. <laughs> and what happens there is like his... Um, uh, what do you call it? Like initiation into like, mm-hmm. is he going to be, you know, how's the dark lands? Yeah. So he goes to the dark lands and Guy Ritchie just abbreviates the whole thing. And I was like, this place is really cool. I'd like to see what happens here, but it just boils down to like, he sees a giant thing. He sees a giant rat. You see him, you see some very quick footage of him, like attacking some stuff and being lifted. And he's into supposed the to air. learn all these lessons from that. Right. But it's not, it, you, you know, I would come, I would go back to, like, Star Wars, for instance, when, well, Return of the, no, Empire Strikes Back, when <laughs> Don't Luke, get those confused. Yeah, when Luke goes to see uh, Yoda, and Yoda puts him through the trials to become a Jedi, and he does the thing where he chops off Darth Vader's head and his weird murky swamp and stuff, I would, this in King Arthur is the same type of thing. He goes to this place, it tests him on all levels, mentally, but you don't feel he's been fully tested. No, Guy Ritchie just literally, like, within, I'd say, three minutes, this whole thing is over, and he's out the other side, and he's good. I felt that I was missing something there. I was like, I want to see this uh, this adventure. And that wasn't the only time in the movie that I thought, wow, we've really cut to the chase here. Like, can we just slow down a little bit? Because I need to know more about this part. Even though you don't really need to know more about it, I just felt like I did. Hmm. there's a couple of like there's not a lot of sitting down and like I guess I'm used to watching Game of Thrones at the moment which (laughs) because it's a TV show and not a 170 million dollar movie there's a lot of sitting down and discussing things before action happens and this is the opposite action happens a lot and it's very quick and it's very choppy because it's you know, Guy Ritchie, his style. He does a lot of slow motion, does a lot of... Now, um, and often I think it's in detriment to the movie because it makes it feel like, almost like a music video. Like it's just... At times, Trying to be flashy. Yeah. Also, I have to say about this movie, um, it turns into a video game at the end. <laughs> Do you not agree? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, not just the look of the characters, but yeah, it's just a little the whole. More... I just yeah. felt like I was. I, I play a lot of video games, and often you see you fight an end boss, and then there's a cutscene of what happens. And this movie, I'm not saying it looked bad. I'm saying 
It just felt like video game quality ending to a movie. Like, it's like... Yeah. It's not even fighting a human being. It's like this thing, this CG creation. The way it's filmed, it just feels like a cutscene for a video game. There's no depth to it or anything. It just feels really shallow. Like, here's the bad guy, here's the good guy. Fight, fight, fight. You know the good guy's going to win. Spoilers. It's King Arthur. <laughs> yeah. That would have been the good, good <laughs> twist. And that's it. I didn't feel... I thought it was anticlimactic, that ending. I have to say, like, uh, Jude Law doesn't get utilized properly. You, they build him up to be this just, like, vile kind of baddie that you yep. want to see be ta- taken down. That is then, my biggest criticism, is yeah. the spoiler alert here we're going to give, is that when you're fighting your nemesis, even though you're trying to be symbolic and or metaphorical, I'm not sure which, I'm not sure how those interchange, I'll admit, but whatever it is, that you're... Your your villain only represents like a bad i a, a big idea like you're the reason I've suffered therefore I want to defeat you so I don't like um like contain my life in this suffering anymore so I have to defeat this my whatever it is to be like my blame or my my suffering but he's not suffering he's a bad guy but you're not seeing him fight the bad guy you're seeing him fight the sort of mental manifestation of him. And that seems lazy. Like, I just want to see Jude Law get the shit beat out of him. <laughs> like, that was my whole... I was waiting for that, to be honest. But, you know. Now, the the Soul Calibur video game part that, that plays out during that, which is what it kind of looked like to me, I did like the design of the character with the... Oh, the, yeah. It looks cool. Kind of had soot and fire, like, behind it all the time, kind of moving. It looked really cool. And it, it did the, like... You know, whenever Excalibur, which is a big thing in this movie, hit the bad guy, you kind of saw it in slow motion and it kind of lit up and it looked really cool. You know, all that stuff was cool. I just felt like it was really disappointing that I was like, okay, so we're fighting this video game monster. And I was thinking to myself, and then once he's defeated it, it will actually fight Jude Law. Exactly. But... Jude Law is actually gets knocked out of the picture and he fights a video game. It's weird. It's, That's what I, I was just was... saying. You're not fighting him. You don't get to see that part of it, which no, is a drag. It's very weird and a drag because of the way they build him up throughout the entire movie. And they really build him up to be a good buddy, I thought. I really want him to get killed. And he gets, throughout the movie, things that he does... It makes you feel as an audience member, yep, yeah, got to get rid of that guy. He sucks. Yeah. And uh, I want to see it. Yeah. It's almost as bad as when Guy Ritchie did the second um, Sherlock Holmes movie. And we we big up this buddy and it's really cool. And then it turns into a fist fight and then he just falls off a bridge. Yep. Which is my least favorite way of anybody <laughs> yeah. dying. Because it seems lazy to me when somebody falls off something. Okay, Die Hard, that was cool. Cause, it was. But then after that, don't do that. Because it's really boring watching somebody <laughs> fall off something. <laughs> So, yeah, if I have disappointments with King Arthur, it's that. It's like I wanted to see more, and I felt like we don't get a good ending. Like, I mean, yes, I like the ending after he fights the bad thing. It kind of sets up another movie, obviously. It shows them building the round table, and uh, it kind of hints at the mage lady, what she might be. But, um... It just felt unsatisfying for the build-up. Because there's a good build-up, but not really a good 
ending. But I, I mean, I like seeing them all come together. There's a really cool fight in the middle of the movie where they kind of get they're they're in a, a city and they kind of get cornered into this one place and it seems like they're all going to die. But then Arthur has this really. Did you like that fight? Yeah, I thought that was the best part of the movie. You know, because mm. it it's like the um, you mean when he realizes his power, yeah. which is I don't know, it was one of my. It looked cool and everything, but it was also one of those things where. Two seconds ago, he was completely unaware of how to do anything. And now, boom, he it's can like do everything. It's like it clicked in his mind yeah. how to do it. And literally, he kills an, you know, an army. <laughs> yeah. They're all enclosed in a space. It's definitely They're definitely all going to die. His men want to stay and fight, kind of be heroes. They know they're going to die, too. They just want to stay and fight. They're like, fuck this. We're not, we're not going to escape. Let's fight them. And, um, it, you know, Arthur pulls out his magical sword and uh, does away with all of them in one swoop, pretty much. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. It looked cool. It had, like, this smoky effect to it. Um, I don't think anything looked bad, to be honest. Special effects were good. What do you think of that opening sequence with the giant elephants? It was all right. It was pretty... Fu- not fuzzy, like, literally fuzzy, but there's so much, and it was kind of dark and gray and didn't really look... Is no, I have unfortunately, and people will argue with this, but my standard for big battles like this that are like sort of um, colossal is Transformers, and Transformers looks freaking awesome. I yeah. mean, it's sunshine, it's giant robots in the middle of the highway. Regardless of some of them, some of the look up the later ones maybe aren't as good. I thought the later ones got better actually. Uh, a couple times it looked a bit rubbery, which was weird, but. When you look at the close-up of the robots, they look awesome. But I'm talking about seeing, looking at a highway and having two giant robots fighting in the sunshine and making it look like they're there. With no darkness, no fog, no anything. It's just, boom, they're right there. This suffers from the, we can't make it look that great, so we're going to sort of muddy the view a bit. They, they actually, I, I 100% agree, they made sure that it was kind of grim. It was the worst weather possible, not raining, but really overcast. And there was fog thick kind of in the middle of the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that did, it did affect it. But I did like the idea of giant elephants that are so giant there is literally like a command center on the back with, <laughs> yeah. with probably hundreds of men in it. Yep, there were. Yeah, running like the, you know, like literally like a big... But see, that's the thing. You're filling in this. The idea of it is cool, but the execution of it is not overwhelming in any way. It's a little underwhelming. Yeah, you do get uh, the first five minutes of the movie, um, that whole huge big battle sequence. It is a good way to start the movie. It makes you feel like pumped for the rest of it. I just feel like it doesn't... I don't know. I tried to say to you (laughs) earlier, I like this movie and I thought it was fun to watch. But even while I was watching it, I felt, and it's hard to put your finger on it, but like something's missing somewhere. Like, there's that intangible thing that makes yeah. you go, wow, this is so awesome. I can't, I want to watch this again straight after. Definitely. All that is not there. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the cast, because they seemed fine. I don't know if it's, it's not the special effects, because I did enjoy all that stuff. The music's really good, actually. Um, I really dug the music, because it was kind of, in this kind of movie, all too often, you just get orchestral kind of score. But this was almost like a cool 
like rock soundtrack, but it was made to sound a bit medieval sounding. Yeah, I did like the music. It wasn't like um No, it was like a cool like almost like a rock band playing medieval what they think is medieval music. So it but it makes it feel different. So when there's this big chase in the middle of the movie where they're running down all these alleyways and this music's swelling up, it feels like a like a cool rock song to me. It's it's different. It's not your grandiose, you know, Lord yeah. of the Rings. It's not Lord of the Rings where it all just sounds like, you know, oh, that's what you expect. It's not that. And it has this cool music all the way through. Even as a song, like a medieval song. Do you remember? Like, um, it's near the beginning, actually. Yeah. Yeah, even as like a vocal um, thing. It's not, it's not English, I don't believe. It's some, maybe Latin it's sung in, but it's, or maybe Celtic. But yeah, it's it. The soundtrack definitely is a good addition to it. But like I say, for me, there is something intangible thing that doesn't feel like it's there, which makes me come away and go, "Yeah, I enjoyed it for two hours, but I wouldn't watch it again." Like it's not. Yeah. Like there are movies where I literally like uh, as the one that's in my head right now is Drive. There's some intangible thing on Drive where when I've watched it, I go. Wow, that meets all the things that I like. And it I could rewatch it now. I want to go back. But not this, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm a fan of Guy Ritchie, and I have rewatched other movies of his. Lock, Stock and Smoking Barrels, I must have seen it twenty times, you know? Um I do wish Guy Ritchie would go back and make a smaller film now. You know, like his Lock Stock and Snatch. Like a third instalment of that. Because those are, I like those kind of movies, don't you? Yes. Would you like to see him I don't stop want to see making big... Um, I don't want to see the same, though, because then why not just watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? Yeah, right? but like, a, you know, like Danny Boyle revisited Trainspotting and it was a good thing? Like, Danny Boyle's used to been, been making bigger films and bigger films. And some people say, well, there's no going back from making big films. You I don't want to see sequels, though. I just want to see something new. And if well, it doesn't have to, do- to be... Lock, stock three or snatch two. It just has to be like another heist style. movie with that style. But then you can just watch those, right? Well, yes, you could. But I'm talking about like the next movie. Like when when a director gets this big, making 170 million dollar movies. Sometimes, when you go back and look at the creativity at the beginning of his career, which is very they're very creative. Snatch and lock, stock. If you watch them. You know, very different, very interesting. When you get sucked into, like, the big studio thing, and you're making, like, your your Sherlock Holmes and your King Arthur's, it's not the same, is it? Oh, no. It's not the same. You're making a product, it seems, at that point. Like a big, you know, money-making movie thing. Definitely. And I do think director Danny Boyle skirts the line of being, like, a big guy and making smaller movies. You know, he, he actually skirts... Like, look at Steve Jobs. It wasn't a big, giant movie. But it was a, you know, a successful movie. Or look at um, Trainspotting 2, for instance. But then you'll go and look at other big movies. Like, Danny Boyle's made some big movies too, right? Big, giant movies. So, uh, back to King Arthur. Uh, we'll go on to the cast here. Charlie Hunnam plays our hero, King Arthur. Or just Arthur, because he's not really the king until the end. Spoilers. <laughs> what do you think of Charlie Hunnam? I liked him. Now, do you not think he's a little bit wooden sometimes? Sometimes he's a bit... That's what I'm saying. You go from this, like, we're convinced now that he's just the 
sort of um, Mr. Charismatic on the on the wherever he lives on the docks. You know, he's been raised in a brothel and he's Mr. You know, chatty chappy and but he's tough and he's got his little group of people and they kind of muscle people's money and they protect everybody. Right. That part. He's great. Then you get him, start giving him this responsibility, and then he kind of takes it on as he doesn't, he's not that person anymore. You know, he loses that sort of like, that's why I'm saying the coolness that I'm not huge fan of throughout all of Guy Ritchie's movies, but that disappears, and all of a sudden he's now in a movie like the other King Arthur movies. Right. He's a little too serious, he's a little too brooding, you know. Um, I don't mind that, but there's no commitment to him being actually that guy who now gets this huge because that guy is a bit of a con man maybe not really a con man but a chancer opportunist you know to some degree yeah now you give him this and he's just like nope 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 don't want it and then he's like oh the responsibility so there's a bit of a mishmash there yeah true um yeah i liked him i thought he um like all guy Ritchie movies is a lot of it's not wisecracking but it's like funny dialogue, like banter, I would probably call it, between mm. guys. You know, where guys are saying funny, funny kind of diggy shit to each other, like I'm digging you a little bit. Like, Yeah. There's a lot of that in all Guy Ritchie movies, and this one's no exception. There's a lot of like teasing each other. And it, uh, I thought that they all pulled it off pretty well, especially Charlie Hunnam. Um, Jude Law plays Vortigern. Vortigern. <laughs> what do you think of Jude Law? He was good. There were moments where he was also taking himself a little seriously, but then again, we have to remember he is letting the the idea of evil carnate incarnate come into him, and so he can be the ultimate ruler of the whole world. Apparently, I mean, I think we're going to go that direction. Yeah. And so he's willing to do anything, and yet all of a sudden it upsets him that he's doing this horrible thing. And it is a little bit over the top on occasion, right? Occasionally. Yeah, I like. I did like it when he put on his cool armor and went out on the veranda and uh, waved at his people. That was kind of the... He really looked... The rock star moment. Yeah, he really looked evil. Like like somebody yeah. who's just digging being that person. Like, Definitely. Uh, Digimon Hunso. What do you think of Digimon? He was good. I was, I, you know... He plays Bedivere. Um, you know what? He was in Tarzan, which we watched earlier this year. True. Uh, he was in something else. He, he often plays the same character, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. He's just that character. Like, I, it's not, it's even hard to explain what he is, but he's, he's just, he's very typecast as the same thing. It's like, um, he's Samuel, like authoritative. Samuel he, L. Jackson. Like, <laughs> yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. the guy to be reckoned with. If the yeah. shit hits the fan. Um, so in this, I was like, I liked him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. He was, but it's nothing crazy good. It's just he's there, isn't he? Like you know, like Samuel L. Jackson. He's there in movies, and you're like, you know exactly what he's gonna do. That's how I feel about this guy. There was nothing surprising. He did what I thought he would do, but it was, you know, fine. Eric Banana. No, it was good. As I mean, it wasn't Uther, much, he's but... Eric Banana. Eric Banana <laughs> as Uther. You always call him that, though. I actually thought he was really good in this. Yep. Yeah, he's not in it a lot. But I like how you think he's not good, but in fact, we've always seen him being good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. In this, I really liked him. I felt... I felt... He felt like that character. Authoritative and 
he felt tough. And when he, in the big battle at the beginning, he goes riding off into the, you know, he's yeah pretty brave. Like, I really got that, so I liked him. Uh, Aidan Gillen plays Littlefinger. <laughs> Not actually Little. The guy who plays Littlefinger plays Bill. Correct. Um, what did you think? Littlefinger of from Game of Thrones, in case yeah. you're one of the all know two him. people who don't watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, if you watch Game of Thrones and you know who Littlefinger is, you know he's in this You movie. said he always plays the same, but he doesn't play the same because he's not, he's actually not a bad guy. No, so. but it's, but the way he kind of, the way he even portrays the not bad guy, it seems like a little sniveling guy who's like hanging around listening to people. Mm. But I'm, it might just be me because I've seen Littlefinger so much. And he's, yeah. And he's wearing the same kind of, you know, garb, mm-hmm. and it kind of feels just like him. Uh, I do like him, though, a lot. Um, if you watch the movie Sing Street, he uh, play. if you don't want to see him has has little finger at all, watch the movie Sing Street, he plays the father, he's really good in it. Astrid Burgess Frisbee plays the mage. Really liked her. I did too. Aside from, again... You know that scene where she stood on the bridge talking to Arthur is is having a wash in the stream? Mm. It sounded really bad, like she was uh, she, she, like, yeah. like, like she was having trouble saying English words. You know? I was like, wow, like that sounds really like she doesn't understand what she's reading or it, it wasn't delivered right. That was the one thing. The rest of it seemed alright, but she didn't speak a lot. But that was a scene where she actually stopped to speak to Arthur for a while. I just thought, wow, that's... <laughs> but there again. But she is cool because I, I really like the idea of that mage and what she does. And she does some really cool stuff where her eyes turn black and like she's in control of an animal. Yeah. yeah. Well, really... she's like, again, we have to refer to Game of Thrones because yeah. that's what he does. The three-eyed raven. Correct. Uh, and then finally, I put down, there's a guest appearance in this movie by uh, Guy Ritchie's longtime friend, Mr. David Beckham, and it's his premiere into movies. What did you think of David Beckham's first movie appearance? Couldn't give a shit, mate. Couldn't give a shit. Doesn't matter to me whatsoever. He's nothing. He's just, he could have been, I wouldn't even recognize him, to be honest, so I didn't care. He's probably one of the most recognizable uh, soccer players, football players in the world. Well, there you go. I wouldn't recognize him. I haven't looked at his face like a lot of people have. He's an absolute pretty boy in real life. So they tried to... Uh, He's getting old. Don't give him too much credit. But I mean, they did try to unpretty him a little bit with some scars and stuff. Um, He's literally... If you're a fan of David Beckham and you've heard this movie has David Beckham in it, it does. And he's literally in it for 10 seconds, maybe? No, about a minute. He says... He has some speaking lines. He sounds like everybody else. It doesn't really stick out. Nope. That's Um, why I said it doesn't matter. Yeah. He's just throwing a dog a bone, basically. Oh, I don't think David needs a bone. I'm saying throwing your friend a bone to be <laughs> oh, in your okay. big movie. You think you think Guy needs a bone, and that bone is David no, Beckham. No, I'm just saying you're throwing a dog a bone as in, hey man, I'm making this big, huge movie. You want to be in it? Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It's similar to like how um, Ed Sheeran got into Game of Thrones like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is sometimes a bit weird when you see somebody who you're really familiar with doing something else turn up in something. It does feel a bit weird. Like, Not really. They're they're performers. Yeah. I, I often feel like you it, it kind of takes... It makes me out, jump out of it for a second. Like, oh. Yeah. Unless they're, unless they're good at what they do. Unless they are good in that part. Like, Ed Sheeran was actually all right. But it does stick out sometimes. So um, stop doing that, people. <laughs> 
Uh, Guy Ritchie uh, directed this. He directed Lock, Stock and Smoking Barrels, Snatch, Sherlock Holmes, Man from Uncle. Um, what's that one with, uh, you know, Madonna? <laughs> we didn't see that one. No, haven't seen Unfortunately. that Unfortunately. Swept away, that one's called. Didn't see it. I've heard it's not very good, but hey. Um, it might be like, you know when you when you watch Danny Boyle's movies and then you get to the beach and you're like, should we skip that one? Because it's the beach. Mm. Yeah, the, I, feel, I feel like Swept Away might be the one that you skip when you right. get to Danny Boyle, when you get to uh, Guy Ritchie's stuff. Um, so what do you think of director Guy Ritchie? I mean, I think... I like the style. It can be a little bit up his own ass sometimes about trying to make things look cool from his point of view. When they don't really look cool, they just look try hard. But then on the flip side of that, his other movies have a kind of a groove that he gets into with the coolness and trying to be kind of sharp and snazzy and all that. This one doesn't have it to me. No, I agree. I, f- I feel so. I think that his style depends on a certain kind of story, and that's unfortunate because that means you can't tell every kind of story with his style and still be able to pull it off. This movie is a lot glossier than what he normally does. Sherlock Holmes, you could say, is a bit. It's a bit more Hollywoody than what he's what he usually brings you, mm-hmm. and that kind of slightly wipes away some of his style because it's. So big and trying to be... He does have some of his stuff in this. You know, his trait... I guess that music is, you know, is kind of his thing. Having cool music in movies. Mm-hmm. And the music does definitely give this movie a different tone than a normal King Arthur movie. Also, that visual style, the um, chop cuts. Uh, the He does a scene at the beginning, which we mentioned, which is really cool, where he skips 20 years, basically. The whole growing up of... of King Arthur when he was a kid it's like a, a montage would you say and it, definitely a montage yeah <laughs> and, and it's like it's literally like a three minute sequence which takes you through 20 years of young King Arthur's life and by the end of it and it's cut, it's set to that cool music again there's the same music and when it by the end of it you understand exactly how this kid was brought up yeah and I like that part yeah and he does that a few times during the movie there's one time where they're going off. Well, there's the bit in the on the where he goes to have his test on the island thing, is also cut quickly, and then there's the obviously this that fight at the end, which I didn't particularly like because it was a bit too CG. You know, it was CG heaven at that point, wasn't it? It was all CG, pretty much. I think it was actually a CG Charlie Hunnam at some points. Did you not agree? A uh, uh, what? Oh, definitely. I don't know his name, so every time you say it, I don't know who you're talking about. Right. But Arthur. Yes. Yes. Arthur looked rubbery <laughs> at some point. Yes, sometimes. Yeah. A bit Spider-Man-ish. So um, extras on the uh, Blu-ray is uh, there's Arthur with Swagger, Sword from the Stone, Parry and Bleed, Building on the Past, and more. Now, it's basically a making of split into different parts. Now, what's good about the, the extras on this uh is they are actual, like, on-the-set stuff with Guy Ritchie. He always does that. It's not just, like, you know, stock footage and some people being interviewed. There's a lot of... You get to see what they do on the set. And they filmed a lot of this in Scotland, so you get to see how lovely Scotland is. And uh, It is really gorgeous. 
yeah, it, it actually looks like a different planet at times. It's that different looking, you know, with the moth. Like, because Scotland's so damp and so uh, moist, let's say, mountains actually, over time, just get covered in moss. Now, mountains anywhere else in the world, well, pretty much most places in the world, they don't actually get covered in moss because the climate changes a lot. But Scotland's pretty grim and rainy. <laughs> so you get pure green-looking mountains, just big slabs of rock covered in moss. And it looks really different to other places. It's like when you see movies that are made in uh, Iceland, that black volcanic rock. It's very, it's very, ooh, that looks really cool. You don't really see that. I feel like Scotland looks like that too, different, you know. Um, so yeah, the extras are pretty good. There's no commentary though, which is unusual because Guy Ritchie likes to do a commentary. And he didn't this time, which, uh, yeah. So uh, in conclusion, on uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, you go first. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't have any of I just think it's an enjoyable escapist. Don't nitpick it. Have a good time. I didn't learn anything about any sort of legend, really, that I can't... I need to look up whatever the original tale was, but I just feel like it was a good time. Yeah, it's a. It's not... I mean, King Arthur doesn't exist anyway. Some people seem to think he does, but he doesn't. It was a, you know, a tale that was told back in the day. We always like to hear stories, right, as humans. I mean, we just watched this movie and got told a story. Correct. So it was a story, you know, a cool story that back in the day you would have been blown away by hearing, you know, Merlin, the magician, and King Arthur pulling this. Yeah, you get to see King Arthur pull Excalibur out of the out of the rock. It's pretty. Um, didn't you think that was under like, anticlimactic? Because that yes. was like a major moment. That's like, like the word that's coming to my head. Like, yeah. this it? We're yeah, not, I thought that. Too, shouldn't this like, be in the last twenty minutes? <laughs> Yeah. Like in the last third, where it's like dun dun dun. Like, like I've seen, you've seen the movie. Excalibur. I mean, I'm, I haven't made a, never made a movie, so I, I can't tell them how to do their job. But as a viewer, it was like, oh, okay, that part's over. So yeah. Yeah. if you've seen the seventies uh, movie Excalibur, like that's a cool movie actually. That's a good King Arthur movie. When the sword's being pulled from the stone, it is literally like the client, you know, the height of the movie, like the most exciting thing. Oh my god, he pulled the sword. Nobody can pull this sword out of the stone in the whole kingdom and. Look at this guy. He's like a superhero, like Thor, you know? In this, it just was <laughs> a little bit, you like, pulled it out, it made a noise, and that was it, really. Yep. It was really, I was like, wow. They, they passed out. I thought they could have <laughs> done that a bit better, but. I don't know if they could do it better. It's just that that, whatever he envisioned, didn't do it for me. No. So, um, yeah, that's King Gatha. I actually enjoyed it. Like I say, I don't think I'd watch it again. It's you might some, if it was just on. Maybe, but it's not something yeah. I'll seek out and put on. Because, like I say, it just felt like it was missing something. <clears throat> but I read some reviews of it just now, uh, and it was universally... like Critics seem to hate this movie like really badly, like really, really bad. But viewers seem to like it. So I went to Rotten Tomatoes. They do critics versus viewers, you know, just average people. Critics in day eight viewers really liked it. It was like twenty percent for critics and seventy percent for viewers. So, yeah. So yeah. That's so, what I'm saying. I could critique it and pick it apart yeah, scene absolutely. by scene to where you're like, uh, uh, uh. However, just having a good time watching a movie, eating my big bowl of popcorn, drinking a cup of tea on a Saturday afternoon is perfect. Yeah, Perfectly was, fine entertainment for me. Yeah, it's got you know cool battles, really great sound music, uh, some good actors in there, some. Actors who are 
you know, you know. Um, it's a bit of a sausage fest. There's not a lot of women. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> so, yeah, don't go into it if you want to see loads of women fighting. Go and watch Sucker Punch if you want to watch that. So, um, thanks to Warner Brothers for the uh, Blu-ray. Uh, and next week's Blu-ray review will be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So we're going to be looking at that from Marvel next week. Uh, I'm excited because Guardians of the Galaxy is actually my favorite Marvel movie. Did you know that? I didn't. Is it yours? Mm, I don't think about that. It's, I did like it. It's it, more, you know, it's a it's that's really a good fun. time and it's well made to me. And I don't know how to think about it. And they're talking about a, a movie with some really cool music. The way they used music in Guardians of the Galaxy was brilliant with the mixtape. And it's all 70s music because that's when he grew up, you know. So, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 next week. Movie recommendations. I am going on the theme of Guy Ritchie, firstly. And I would recommend to you The Man from Uncle. I think it was criminally underrated. <laughs> criminally? Yeah. Seems excessive. A lot of people uh, dismissed it as just meh. I think it's a really cool movie. Um, it, it reminded me a little bit of like Kingsman. Uh, it's not quite as cheeky as that, but it has that kind of cool British vibe to it. Like, And if you remember the ending part, it was very Kingsman with the explosion at the end. And uh, it was a fun kind of spy thriller was kind of cheeky at the same time. Do you remember the cool... Uh, you remember Man From U.N.C.L.E., but you remember that cool chase in those, like, kind of um, cars, those amphibious-type cars? Yeah. That was really cool. It was actually... I think people overlooked it a lot. And my other one is... Uh, I was thinking of what my favourite Jude Law performance was. I was looking through his list of things, and I uh, came up with AI by Steven Spielberg. Plays this really crazy character in it, if you remember. Wants to take off into the... City. Um, so, yeah, AI. I've not seen AI for a long time. I'd like to see it again, I think. What about you? My Would you like to see AI again? Um, not really. Yeah? You didn't like it? I didn't dislike it, but it doesn't... It felt like quite the investment or something. I don't know. Was it long? I don't remember. No. Maybe I should was, see it just to see it. wasn't long at all. I should see it just to see it. I don't I remember liking it, but I don't know. You don't think it's one of Steven Spielberg's greats? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I don't remember it that much. Wow. <laughs> I remember me the premise. It's very memorable, yeah. Well, to you. Do you remember E.T.? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do, because we watched it just a few years ago. That yeah. re refreshed my memory. <sighs> All right, I'm well, not you. Jeez, I don't remember. Do you know every word of every Bob's Burgers episode? Do you remember The Wizard <laughs> of Oz? I do. <laughs> Mostly. I've seen that like a hundred times. Yes. So that makes a difference. I like repetitive learning. <laughs> All right. So what is your um, recommendations? I would say, because I was thinking of other movies where you've got the big bad oppressiveness and then somebody comes along to try to rip it down. And I was thinking sort of, is it medieval times? I don't even know what the time period is. You would know more than me. But Braveheart came to mind. Yes. Well, he did not defeat the evil, obviously. He got gutted. Spoiler. Um, oh, I've not seen the end. It, it was <laughs> as if it was standing up against somebody, something, you know, 
like a big bad bad guy, but that was like kind of a real situation. And big battles and all that kind also of stuff. Also Scotland. But I wouldn't recommend Mel Gibson, but so I was torn for that recommendation, but I got over it, so. And then the other one is completely out of left field, but I was looking down my list of movies that I was watching, trying to get inspired, and all of a sudden it popped up, and I'm like, yeah, I'd like to watch that right now, which is Jaws. Steven Spielberg. Correct. So Jaws came to mind. That's my favorite so Jude Law movie. you remember Jaws, but you don't It's my favorite AI. Jude Law movie. <laughs> yeah. Jude Law plays the shark in Jaws. Jude Law's really that good. head that pops up out of the boat. No, he's the shark. <laughs> Yeah, I like Well, that. I've also seen Jaws probably 25 times or 30, so that's another reason why it would stick in my mind more. Yeah. I mean, we all, we've all seen Jaws many times. Yeah. It's one of those ones, isn't it? That, that was on TV a lot. I went to the cinema to see it. I was way too young. It kind of frightened me a few times. <laughs> I remember jumping. Not, I'd never really seen anything like that, so it kind of scary. But yeah, Jaws. Games and Ace Scully stuff this week. I played two games. One's called Neon Drive on the PlayStation 4. You saw Neon Drive, didn't you? A little bit. It's ridiculously hard. I can't even manage it. Like, my small, my hands and, and my brain are too old or something to even deal with it. It's too hard. You know what I mean? One of those... It's a rhythm game where a car is driving down a road and you have to avoid things on the floor by move into the rhythm. Left, right, left, right, left, right. You've only got left and right. They're the controls. But it's so hard. Even the first level, we, me and my nephew, tried to finish it and literally got so fed up of it we couldn't do it. So It's a cool aesthetic. It looks like a... What's it look like? Like like an 80s um, arcade game. Neon, pink colours... A car going Definitely, down very neon. And it's got 80s kind of music, like the kind of music of an 80s movie. Um, so that's Neon Drive. I think people will love it, but for me, it's just too hard. It's one of those games that's made to be really, really hard because some people get satisfaction of beating a really hard game. Uh, but it, I ain't going to finish it. It's too, too difficult. Second game I've been playing this week, and this is a cool game. It's called Hellblade. It's from the people at Ninja Theory. They're the ones that made... Um, Heavenly Sword for the PS3 and um, Enslaved, which I thought was an awesome game. That was the one that starred Mr. Andy Serkis. He did all the motion capture for it. So this Hellblade is an interesting concept. You start as this girl. Um, it's, she's like a... She seems like it's from like... She isn't. But it seems it's, it's its own world. But she's like she seems like a prehistoric type person. Mm. She's got like furs on and stuff, and she's kind of like tribal looking. And the she's in like a. What's really cool about this game is they worked with mental health specialists on it, and it's about um, having a mental illness and uh, kind of trying to simulate how it feels inside the head of somebody with something something wrong. Um, so this girl is on this journey, and you she's in this boat at the beginning, and she's rowing down this river, and they suggest you play this uh, game with headphones. And I would say to you, play it with headphones, because you will miss so much of the game if you don't wear the headphones. Now, it uses um, Dolby Atmos surround sound uh, in your headphones, so that gives you full 7.1 surround in your headphones. And it also gives you above and below 
your head, which is really weird when it happens, but you can actually hear things above and below you and actually understand that they're above and below you. It's very weird and freaky. Now, this girl has got a problem. She's What's happened is she's lost somebody. I believe it's her husband, but it's not. I'm not quite sure right now. But she has his head wrapped in some muslin, and it's she's carrying it with her. And from what what you're hearing in her head going down is she has to take it to hell. And she also has to go with it to be together again. And there's something mm. going on inside her head. And there are many voices speaking inside. And this is how it uses the surround sound to like really awesome effect. I've never heard anything like it, to be honest. It's so good. It whispers in your head all the time. So, for instance, I'll be... You're playing as her and you're walking and you can hear voices in her head and on the right hand side you'll hear some whispers saying why is she walking this way? Why is she walking this way? She's going to die. She's going to die. And you'll hear people in the left or above you even saying she needs to be. She needs to look at the sign. She needs to look at the sign. She's going to have to turn around at some point and she needs to know the way back. And it's like these voices in your head are helping you or they're hindering you or sometimes they're tricking you. They're telling you that it's fine to go that way and you go that way and it's not fine. But it's a weird experience because it's very scary. Like, it's like, I think they're trying to emulate, like, somebody who is, like, schizophrenic or... Hmm. Um, I've never seen it. At the beginning, um, it says this game is pretty disturbing. Like, if you've got a weak sensibility, you might not like it. We work with mental health experts to make sure it is accurate in the depiction of what is going on inside this girl. And... When you're playing it and all these voices are in your head, and I'm talking sometimes because of this surround sound thing that they're doing, sometimes there are 30 voices all talking at once. Goodness. From different spots in your head. And you can hear every single one of them, what they're saying. And that is a weird experience. If that really happens when you're going crazy, that kind of thing, when it's happening and you're like, wow, there are lots of voices happening in my head. But I'm not, I can't, I can, because you've got headphones on, and I turn them quite loud, I was playing it at night, you do hear every single thing. It's weird how it's, some of them are whispering, some of them are talking at a mid-range, and some of them are shouting. But you hear so many things at once, and you're like, wow, that's a lot of information. Mm -hmm. And you're walking, and then you're like, oh, all that information actually means something, this next section that I'm coming up to. They're actually telling me about it. Like some of them are saying, "Like turn back, turn back." You're never gonna, you're never gonna get anywhere going this way. Some of them are saying, "This, she's going to have to open this door. She's going to have to. Why isn't she looking? Why isn't she looking at the tree? Why isn't she looking at the tree?" You know, they're saying that kind of thing, and you're like, "Do I look at the tree? Is that bad? Is that good?" That gives you that feeling of like, I don't know what the hell is going on in my head. So, really cool game. Like I like it when somebody. Like, this is a concept I haven't even considered. But with video game and sound and it does stuff in your controller with rumble, you can actually have a weird kind of experience that you forget about the outside world completely while you're doing it. Um, so, yeah, it's called Hellblade. I've, also, it looks beautiful. It's, like, really some of the top-notch graphics you've ever seen. Cool game. You didn't see it at all, did you? No. No, it's... It, it's very interesting. You you have to listen. I'll put the headphones on you next time I play it. Mm-hmm. And when when everybody's talking at once, and it sounds like this a person actually sat on top of your head, which I've never experienced before, it's really weird. 
so, Svenguli, what is it? Svenguli is a horror host who dresses up funny and tells semi-bad jokes and presents in a two-hour time frame a, an old horror or horror comedy or B-horror type movie. And tonight will be Night Monster with Bella Lugosi and who was the other guy? Lionel Atwell. Lionel Atwell. I don't know who he is, so I guess. I was thinking it was somebody else, but Bella Lugosi. Come on. Well, from this poster I'm looking at, it's Lionel Atwell and Bella Lugosi. And then a bunch of people I've not heard of. Mm-hmm. And it's old. It looks like it's maybe 40s. Yes. Maybe 30s, but probably 40s. Yeah. And it's really f- it's fun. It's another one that was like, you don't want to think about too much. No. Just have a good time. No. And, you do uh, laugh at Swingley's jokes, which is really funny. They're really awful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sometimes, like, he spends a minute to get to a punchline that is the worst punchline you've ever... It's not even funny. Correct. And then you're like, why did he even spend a minute getting to that? Because it doesn't really work. But he laughs. He likes them. Correct. So what's for dinner? Tonight will be... Some macaroni and cheese, and what I like to call a bean and corn chicken cassoulet. Is that how you spell cassoulet? It is not. I just no. spelled it the way I thought it sounded, and I didn't even look it up. But I know what I mean. So it'll be just plain old box macaroni and cheese from Amy's or Annie's. I forget which one. Annie's, I think. And um, I've got beans, and I've got the... It's the vegetable protein kind of... No, it's not. It's the uh, mycoprotein, which is made from mushrooms. We don't eat meat. We're vegetarian. And so uh, it's that and a little bit of sauce. I'm not sure what the flavor will be. I've got all the spices out on the kitchen counter ready ready to cook. We did have some um, cauliflower rice yesterday. Well, it's riced cauliflower. Riced cauliflower. Yeah. Yeah, now that is some good stuff. It was really good. I would like to think it's good because of the way I cooked it, so. Yeah, it's good. I think you should get it again. It's just really (laughs) tasty and probably really low calorie and probably very good for you. Yeah. Uh, The only downfall to cauliflower is when you cook it, no matter what, (laughs) your house smells like an old person died in it for a while. Smells stinky. (laughs) Um, What's your advice before we leave? My advice is not so much advice, but just a thing to say is that ideas are not actions. Because that was part of our before-the-show discussion where we just disagree fundamentally on a thing, which I think you just don't understand about not being an American, but that if you have an idea that not everybody likes, that's too fucking bad for everybody else. You have the idea. You are well, you are you have the right to express it, whatever it is, however vile it is, as long as it doesn't incite an action that harms someone else. If you intentionally incite, and that can be subjective, but it's quite obvious when someone's doing it, an action to happen, like violence or anything. It could be any bad thing to physically come to fruition, an idea that is negative or harmful or hurtful, that's different than having the idea. I might find ideas vile, people's view of the world are fucked up, and they're ignorant, and they're stupid, and... To be honest, they could not exist for all I care. That's not me saying kill them. That's me saying I wish they didn't ever exist. Like the universe didn't come to the point where that group of molecules turned into that person with those ideas. That's different than saying, go out and kill everybody with this idea or this skin color or this lifestyle or who drives this car or who doesn't believe in my God. That's different than saying, I don't like people who don't believe in my God. I don't particularly, I don't believe in any gods and so... 
I think that I see these ideas of like, well, these people should be punished for having these bad ideas. It's a slippery slope that's very easy to go down. And then eventually you have one idea that everyone is allowed to have. And if you don't follow that idea in any way, and if you express anything counter to that, you are punishable. That would be my fear. So an idea is not an action. It is an idea and you have a right to it. Someone can try to convince you of something different. You can learn more about the world and about humanity and maybe add to what you are already thinking that might change your point of view. You never know. But you have every right to think it and to believe it and to say it and express it as long as that expression doesn't harm someone or tell someone else to harm someone. So that there you go. All right. Nicely said. Succinct Thank and you. to the point. Thank you. Uh, I want to remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the web podcast. You can listen and uh, subscribe there. We have uh, 400 and odd ver- uh, that you can listen to. You can also email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email SidTalk. And finally, uh, stay classy, Mr. Guy Ritchie. Um, I didn't realize he was married again, but he, if you watch the extras, you'll see his new wife. Yep. Oh, I don't know if she's new. She's kind of hanging around right next to him all the time, which is a bit creepy, but, well, you know. Yeah, no. I wouldn't be hanging around next to you if you were making a big budget movie. Well, thanks. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and you? And I'm going to say anything for yourselves, because if you don't think for yourself and express your own self, someone will do all that thinking and expressing for you. 